the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. God urges our heart to do something and we forget that, well, God's going to be with you. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. We're going to find our text in Exodus, that's the second book of the Bible, Exodus chapter 4, and I've entitled this message, Being Resistant. Have you ever been resistant on doing something? I'm sure you have. We all have. Like when it comes to yard work, yeah, can we do that next week? Or how about you ladies doing the laundry? Maybe it's having to deal with someone at work and you just don't want to deal with it because yeah, no one likes confrontation. It's, it's uncomfortable to deal with someone on certain issues. Yes, we can be resistant. And that word resistant can be defined as unwilling to do something. You're hesitant to move forward. You're disinclined to get involved. Yes, when we are resistant, we are reluctant to put ourselves out there. I was teaching at a men's breakfast out in Yucaipa one morning. So I had drove out there on the other side of San Bernardino. And on the way back, a car spun out in front of me. I mean, directly in front of me. And it hit the embankment, flipped upside down, and was doing 360s on its roof. And I'm like, oh my goodness. So I stop. I mean, I'm like literally right on top of it. And I get out of the car, and there's four teenagers in the car. And they all bail out, you know. And fortunately, thank God, they were all okay. And this other guy had stopped also. And there was stuff scattered all over the freeway. So me and this other guy are going and grabbing all of this stuff. And we're getting it off the freeway. And all four of the kids were fine they were on the side. Then I realized as I'm picking up these backpacks that they're full of spray cans. I'm like, this is a carload of taggers here. So once I realized these guys were all a bunch of taggers, I'm just like, I was very resistant on wanting to be nice at that point. (laughs) Okay. So some of you know what I'm talking about. I felt hesitant to even stay there any longer. You know, there was a bunch of people at that point that had stopped, you know, and so I'm just like, you know what? I'm out of here. You know, I don't even want to help these kids anymore. But like, there's times with all of us that we're hesitant and we're reluctant and we resist wanting to help people or do things, you know, like helping someone who's taken advantage of us in the past. 
like loaning money to a friend or a relative that we've loaned to in the past and they never paid us back? Or what about co-signing on a loan for someone that we're close to? Again, a family member that comes to you. But there's one place that we as Christians should never be resistant to, and that is serving the Lord. Being available to speak up and proclaim that there is a God in heaven that loves us and desiring to bring hope to the hopeless. Yes, we as the body of Christ have been called by our heavenly father to simply be his witness in the here and now. And we need to be available for that. We're going to continue here in our study through the book of Exodus. And we left off last time with Moses being filled with what? Excuses. Excuses. Because God had called him to go back to Egypt and to tell Pharaoh to let his people go. And of course, you know, Moses was just filled with what? Excuses. Now, how can this be? Wasn't he handpicked by God himself? Yes. Didn't God personally speak to Moses? Yes. See, God had a plan, and it was a well-thought-out plan. God was very clear on what he told Moses to do. God said, again, I have seen the abuse of my people by the Egyptians. God was well aware of their plight and their position. And God made it clear that he heard their cries for help. And that not only was he going to deliver them, but that he was going to lead them into a land that was filled with milk and honey. Now, what kind of a land is that? Well, it's not a land that's filled with honey nut Cheerios, okay? What he was meaning to say and what his expression meant was this that the land would be a prosperous land. The land would be a fruitful land, a land that they could farm and raise their livestock on, a land that they could call their own. Only one problem. Here's the problem. Moses, every step of the way, made excuse after excuse after excuse not to go. He lost the fire. It no longer burned inside of him. It appears that all the fight left out of him. I wonder if there's any of us that are older Christians that you've just kind of lost the fire. You're you're not passionate about your relationship with Christ like you once were. I wonder if there's just something that's just like you just kind of lost it. Listen, I'm getting older myself, and it's like I understand, you know, getting older. You know, it's like, you know, but uh, you can't lose the fire. You can't lose the passion. See, Moses didn't really seem to care anymore about the people that were his own people. And as we left off last time, he gave God what in his mind were five valid excuses. Like in Moses' mind, these are five good reasons why I'm not going to serve you, why I'm not the one that's going to go deliver your people out of Egypt. What were those five excuses? Number one. Moses said, well, who am I? Who am I? Look at me. I wonder if you've ever said that before. Oh, God, you can't use me. Look at me. I'm just, I know. Yeah, you go get somebody else. And, you know, Moses was right for a certain degree because at this point, all Moses' fame and fortune were gone for he was nothing more than a lonely shepherd out in a desert of Midian. Yet God 
when he gave that excuse, God immediately told Moses, I will be with you. I think many Christians forget that. God urges our heart to do something and we forget that, well, God's going to be with you. He's not going to urge you to do something that he's not going to be with you to accomplish. Then Moses gave excuse number two. He says, well, who shall I say sent me? I certainly can't say that some bush was on fire and on top of a mountain and it was burning, but it wasn't burning. They're going to think I was bonging some bush or something, okay? And so God quickly responded to that and said, well, you tell them I am that I am. You tell them the great I am sent you. Moses thought about it for a second. Then he came up with excuse number three. Well, what if they don't listen to me? I wonder how many of us give that one. You know, it's like God gives that little tug on your heart. You know, why don't you go talk to that person? What if they won't listen to me? I don't know what to say. You know, what if they won't listen? And God gave Moses a bag of miracles. Remember the bag of miracles that he gave him? Moses had a staff, a walking stick. Me and my wife will walk many times. When we go on vacation, we'll go take, you know, hiking trails. And I'll always look for a stick to have and everything. So Moses had a staff in his hand. So God says, throw that staff on the ground. And it turned into a snake. And the Bible says that Moses is like, whoa, like most of us would do. You know, snakes are a little creepy. But then God says, grab it by its tail. So he grabbed the snake by its tail and it turned back into the staff. Well, that's a pretty cool little miracle. He says, here, I'm going to give you something else, not just a staff that turns into a snake and then turns back into a staff. Put your hand into your coat there. And he puts it inside. He even pulls it out and it was all leprous and disease filled like, ah. He says, now put it back inside and pull it out again and it's back to normal. I go, oh, that's a pretty cool little miracle. He says, then I'll also give you, you can take water out of the Nile River and I'll turn it to blood. Wow. So he gave them a cool little bag of miracles if they say, you know, why won't they listen to me? Well, it's obvious that God sent me because look at my bag of miracles here. But that wasn't good enough for Moses. So Moses came up with excuse number four. He said, well, I've never been eloquent with speech. I I don't know what to say. You know, you might stutter and it doesn't come out. It's in my head and it's all jumbled like a food processor. So what did God say in Exodus 4.11? The Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Or who makes him mute or deaf or seen or blind? Is it not I? says the Lord, then I will give you the words to speak. I will speak in and through you, Moses, and I'll teach you what you are to say. And that left Moses to give his fifth and final excuse. He just said, Lord, send somebody else. And God quickly responded to that also. He says that his anger burned against Moses. God's anger burned against him. We just need to be used of God and be open to going out and opening our mouth. Don't neglect the tug on your hearts. Know this, in the times we are living right now, it is filled with frustration and it's filled with drama. If we would simply continue to serve the Lord with a whole heart and a willing mind in our own experience, God will cause us to have less problems in our own life. What I mean by that is when I get up every morning, I don't look in the mirror and say, gee, Pastor Steve, how do you feel this morning? 
You know, it's like, well, actually, my arm's a little sore because I was playing basketball on, on uh, Friday, and I kind of twisted a muscle in there, and it felt a little weird. And then I don't look in the mirror like, oh, my goodness, like this morning we had the sunlight coming in our one window, and I'm looking at my neck. I'm like, this is an old man neck. Where did this neck come from? Like, okay, I realize that I'm 62, but I'm not ready to be 62 yet. And I'm looking, I'm like, all these little wrinkles and lines. I'm like, that's an old man neck. See, so if I look in the mirror every day, I'm going to get depressed. So that's why I try not to look in the mirror. I try not to look at that and say, how do you feel today? Because I'm not going to feel good because my foot hurts a little bit. I don't know why. And I was like, I don't want to focus on me. But when I focus on prayer, and I focus on putting the Lord first, the Lord seems to just work out all of my problems itself. So I'm just encouraging you, put others first in our life. We're going to pick up from where we left off, Exodus chapter 4, verse 18. It says, then Moses departed and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, please let me go that I may return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see if they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, go in peace. Now the Lord said to Moses and Midian, go back to Egypt for all the men who were seeking your life are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons and he mounted them on a donkey and he returned to the land of Egypt. Moses also took the staff of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders that I have put in your power. He's talking about the staff, the hand thing, turning the water to blood. But I, notice what God says, but I will harden his heart. Whose heart? Pharaoh's heart. So that he will not let the people go. Verse 22, then you shall say to Pharaoh, That's after he hardens his heart. Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son. You remember, it was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Remember when we were going through our Genesis study, God changed Jacob's name to Israel. Okay, so Israel, that is all the people of God that come down from the descendants of Abraham and Sarah. Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I said to you, talking to Pharaoh here, let my son go, let my people go, that he may serve me. But you have refused to let him go. Behold, I will kill your son, your firstborn. Now that's a prophecy there, because that doesn't happen till way later on in Exodus, but God said it right up front what he planned to do. Well, with all of that being read, there's a lot of text there, and there's many principles for us to learn within that text. So finally, we see here Moses willing to go, finally. First, he seeks out his father-in-law, Jethro, and he sought his permission to leave. For God had told Moses to return to literally go back to the land of the pyramids. Go back to where you grew up in Egypt, to to the place where you fled 40 years ago after killing an Egyptian that was beating an Israelite. Now, many times in our own lives, we must also return. We must go back to certain things. Maybe you owe someone money that you never paid them and you just kind of, well, out of sight, out of mind. No, you need to go back and pay that person back. 
that you have not paid back. Maybe you have sinned against someone. You need to go back and say you're sorry. You need to apologize. You need to make inroads there. Maybe you left something that God had started and you just need to go back. I remember a couple different things in my life. There was someone that was helping me out when I, my parents first got divorced and they were helping me. I was living in their house in Chino and, uh, you know, he worked at the uh, Ontario Honda, at the motorcycle shop that I worked at. His name was Bob. And so I'm sitting there and, you know, he helped me out a lot when my parents first got divorced, him and his wife, and they had two kids and, you know, they were helping me out a lot. But, you know, through just being an idiot teenager, I started to have an attitude with him. And then, you know, he was working at the same shop. And finally, one day he goes, you want to take this out in the parking lot? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> so we go out in the parking lot. And he was, he was throwing blows. And it's like, you know, and I'm just like, oh, my goodness. And I remember he quit the Honda shop right after that. And I didn't see him anymore. Well, after becoming a Christian and me and my wife getting married, I remember, you know, three, four years later, I tracked him down. He moved up to Washington State. And I called him. And I apologized to him. I'm, I'm so sorry that I was such a moron idiot that I just, you know, did the things that I did. And he's like, oh, it's okay. Don't don't worry about it. But, you know, but I want to go back and make restitution. There's also a time that you have to go back when God's trying to do something in your life. Sometimes when you're in something that's painful, you don't like to stay there. Yes, we can run from everything, but that won't make it right. Our sin will always find us out. Don't think that an unpaid bill is just going to disappear. It will come back eventually. And trust me, it'll have a lot of interest attached to it. But as Christians, we should live uprightly amongst those that surround us. It doesn't matter what someone else got away with. It doesn't matter what they get away with. What matters is what we do as believers. Every time I've gone back to correct something that was wrong, God always has helped me. He always has given me favor. Like when we first went on staff at Harvest Christian Fellowship, I was on staff there for like 15 years. As soon as we went on staff, all kinds of things were happening. Like it was just spiritual warfare. My wife went down and she had to have her gallbladder taken out. I'm like, oh my goodness, like what is going on? here. We we're just getting attacked from so many different areas. And so my wife gets her gallbladder taken out. And then all of a sudden we're stuck with this hospital bill. Our part was like $10,000. And I was just like, oh, what are we going to do here? And I'm just like, well, I'm not going to run from it. So I went down to the hospital admissions. I sat down with the office lady and I'm like, what are we going to do? I, I don't have this kind of money. It's like, I'm a pastor at this church down the street. I don't, even, I don't even know what to do. And she goes, well, how much can you afford? I go, well, I, I've got $1,500. She goes, We'll take it and we'll wipe the bill out. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. God always just works things out. He works it out. I wonder, is there anyone you need to talk to as the Holy Spirit moves in your heart right now? Are there any unresolved issues that you need to deal with? That's something to think about. But getting back to Moses, God told him to go back to the belly of the beast. Go back to Egypt. Go back to where you ran from. And as reluctant and resistant and hesitant that Moses was, he was now 
willing to go. Again, out of respect, he got permission from his father-in-law, Jethro. Let's not forget 40 years earlier when Moses was a fugitive, it was Jethro that opened up his arms to him and received Moses. It was Jethro that he was this respected man of God. We're told in chapter three that he was a priest and he not only got Moses started in business as a sheep herder, he also gave him one of his daughters to marry. But now for Moses, there was a higher calling. And how we must heed the same high calling over family, over friends. We as Christians must be willing to serve the Lord over everything else, everything else. This, of course, didn't mean leaving his wife in the dust by saying to her, hey, honey, God's called me to go back to Egypt, so uh, see ya. No, it's like we all go together. All those multiple trips back and forth to Virginia, learning the lessons that I had to learn. You know, back earlier, it was my wife and kids all in tow. We all went together. We all did it as a family. We moved here to start this church. We did it together. Why? Because that's what God called. You know, verse 20 said that he took his wife and his sons. He took them with him. But what does this mean? You know, as we as Christians here, are we to put things secondary to our relationship with God? Yes. Everything goes secondary to our relationship with God. Everything. We should obey the word of God over everything else, no matter what. Notice what God tells Moses in verse 19. The men that were seeking your life are dead, he said. Now, why is that there? Well, obviously, God wanted to reassure Moses that it was going to be safe for him to go. Moses was probably really concerned for when he fled Egypt, there was a death warrant that was put over his head, as you remember. Yet God, once again, reassures Moses that he will be safe. Why? Because he will be with him. I love how God takes the time to tell us, you and me, over and over again, how much he cares for us. Consider the difference between what God tells us as believers and how he feels towards the non-believer. Think about this. Here's a few examples. Proverbs 11:8 says, the righteous, talking about his children, is delivered from trouble, but the wicked takes his place. God says, I will deliver you from trouble and I'll put the wicked in your place. How about that? Proverbs 24 verse 16 says, for a righteous man falls seven times. Don't we stumble at times? Don't we slip at times? We can fall up to seven times, but we rise again. Why? Because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. But he goes on to say, but the wicked stumble in a time of calamity. A world's facing many climatic issues that are, we're in right now today. All kinds of things. The wicked will fall. We will rise above them somehow, some way. Again, we're told in Proverbs eleven twenty one. Assuredly, the evil man will not go unpunished. Sometimes you see people like they're a total heathen and they're prospering. They have a new car, a better job. They make more money than me. And you think, oh, gee, look at the wicked prosper. God says, the wicked will 
will not go unpunished. Their judgment is coming. It is coming soon. But the, what does he say? My descendants of the righteous will be delivered. We will be delivered in the coming judgment. We will stand before God one day. We will see him face to face and he will say to us, well done thou good and faithful servant. Come into the joy of the Lord. So Moses packs up the family donkey here and he hits the road. Notice what God told him in verse 21, that Pharaoh was not going to let the people go. This, by the way, is the second time that God has already told Moses that Pharaoh was not going to listen to him. The first time was back in chapter 3, verse 19. Now, why is this important? Because in a future study, we're going to see Moses come apart at the seams when Pharaoh doesn't listen to him and doesn't let the people go. Oh, I can't believe it. God, you sent me all the way down here and he's not letting the people go. I told you twice already that he's not going to listen to you. I already told you that. But we're going to see Moses fall apart at the seams just like we do at times when we think that God's forsaken us all of a sudden, something happens and, you know, something comes out of the nowhere and hits us between the eyes. We're like, oh God, you've forsaken me. No, God hasn't forsaken us. Why is it when something doesn't work out, we completely lose it? Like our life as we know it is over, we think at times. The Lord always has a plan for us. Always, always. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.